This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rippett, and I'm joined with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. So thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello, everyone. Now, we're recording on August the 18th, 2020, and we have an exclusive update on the Oak Ridge Center transformation going on in Vancouver, British Columbia, that we've been excitedly following since 2012. Now, for those that are living in Vancouver, BC, like myself, or who have visited, you've likely driven down the street called Camby Street that goes from the downtown all the way down and connects into the airport. Now, I think the public transit system, the light rail that goes underground called the Canada Line also follows that uh, and goes all the way to the airport and into Richmond and so on. But um, a lot of people avoided that whole Camby Street leading up to the Olympics because that whole underground construction was really disruptive. But since then, it's really blossomed. And I think an article back in April 2018 had Quadrail, who owns Oak Ridge Center at Camby and West 41st Avenue, talking about this dynamic mixed-use community that would be Vancouver's second municipal town center, which is lofty, aspirational, and a mega project would be underselling it. <laughs> but there's big names like City of the Future being attached to it. So um, it's very exciting. But Craig, for people who haven't been following along like we have, could you give a little bit of a recap of the project as well as what's the latest exclusive update that we were able to get? Yeah, yeah. So Oak Ridge uh, Shopping Center in Vancouver is um, basically going to be redeveloped. Um, they're going to keep parts of it, uh, but make it look basically unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a 4.5 million square foot hub, as they called it, of uh, retail space, residential workspace, uh, parks, and civic space. So we can get a, into more details there. So how did you find out about this latest update? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of the retailers that are in there, I won't name them because I don't think to get in trouble, uh, mm. yeah, <laughs> came to me and said, Craig, were you aware that uh, Oak Ridge Center is closing at the end of September and it's opening again at 20, in 2024? And I thought, really? Which obviously you went, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was you know quite a bold move because yeah. uh, you know, Oak Ridge Center, I did the shopping center study each year for Retail Council of Canada yeah. and Oak Ridge, I think, was number two or three in all of Canada in terms of its sales per square foot productivity. So, you know, it's uh, you know, a very highly successful shopping center. It's going to be extremely successful, I think, when the project is finished in 2024 or 25, whenever, you know, the full shebang is finished. But it wasn't like a press release that you got, right? Um, so the um, yeah, retailers came and, and, you know, kind of told me about it. And, and then I spoke to uh, Melissa. She's one of the head people marketing the Quadriel, who's the owner and, and landlord of the property. And uh, yeah, we were provided an exclusive to uh, report on this. So it's kind of exciting because this is a little piece of Canadian history that uh, is developing right now. It's the first time something like this has ever happened. Well, and for myself as a consumer, I've never really seen uh, a, a whole mall shut down or punt out retailers. So is this normal or is this something that Quadril is doing that's unusual or the first time you've ever seen this? Because it seems unusual to me. Yeah, I think it's just easier. They're saying that this can accelerate the process of being able to uh, redevelop the shopping center, which makes sense. Um, I think that it would have been extremely disruptive to try to keep the center open. Already, I believe that the plans had been to um, close parts of the mall down in phases and and to do it. So 
I think they looked at it, you know, COVID-19, people are staying away from malls anyways. And they thought, well, let's just get this over with, you know. Well, and especially with COVID-19 and a lot of retailers requesting rent relief, this just seems like a like a good time for them to do this, right? Short, short term, if you want to call it that, pain for, you know, a very long term, well, very much a gain, I should say, yeah. more than anything. Um, you know, this is this, I mean, Oak Ridge Centre is going to be completely transformative. There'll be no retail like that in Canada. I mean, the closest thing to it probably would eventually be Royal Mount. To Montreal mm. Um, mm. when that project is finished. And Oak Ridge will have uh, elements that I, I don't think that Royal Mount is going to have. Uh, both will be great projects. Well, it's interesting because I was looking at the 2012 announcement article that we had way back when Retail Insider was in its infancy. And uh, it looks like you're following it from then. Like, Are you seeing major changes from the 2012 to 2018 to now 2020 vision for this product project? Uh, yeah, yes and no. Um, the uh, it's, it's quite similar in that they were looking at redeveloping the property, putting uh, towers above it, redoing the retail. I mean, we're trying to focus on the retail being retail insider. But yeah, um, yeah the, the plant. So Ivanhoe Cambridge used to own the shopping center. They sold it in uh, 2017. Mm. I think it was the fourth quarter of 2017. Yep. Um, and they were planning on doing this redevelopment. Things progressed along. They were putting in plans to the city. I was reading some of the reports and I don't even think it was actually an announcement in 2012. I think I just found the plans. That mm. was the thing. I mean, I was pretty green and, and everything. And yeah. yeah, I mean, that's how Retail Insider started. It was poking around and getting information that other people didn't have. But um, they, they discovered a few years ago, I'd have to go back and see how many years ago, an aquifer that was underneath of uh, the shopping center that they weren't aware of, which um, I think was going to be a bit of a challenge in mm. terms of the plans. But uh, looking at the current plans as they're set out, I mean, they're very ambitious. So I don't think that aquifer has had any real uh, hugely detrimental effect on, on the plans for moving Oak Ridge forward. I mean, this is going to be a world-class project. Mm. West Bank, who is the condo developer, they're partnering on this development. I was looking at some of the condominiums and you know, say an apartment with two bedrooms, uh, about a thousand square feet or so. Uh, the prices were 2.2 to $2.4 million. Nice. So that's a lot of money. Money for that size apartment. <laughs> yeah, no. And so there's definitely a financial component to it. Uh, one of the areas that I wanted to kind of focus on from our article as well is these tenants that are being displaced because I'm not that familiar with that side. And from a consumer perspective, they just see a tenant. They don't necessarily see the arrangements that are in place with the landlord. So from myself, like I would assume that there's like 10 year leases in place and those types of things that would be getting, becoming quite messy, especially Especially in like eviction situations like this, so that they can do a mega construction project. Um, so, how is that being handled, um, or is this kind of a silver lining of the whole COVID nineteen situation, where a lot of these retailers are wanting to get out of leases, wanting to leave, and they're just capitalizing on that to be able to close down most of them all quicker to be able to accommodate this kind of construction shutdown, to be able to blossom, hopefully in the recovery phase where all these tenants are now wanting to come back and they have a shiny new mall. Yeah, so my understanding was that uh, the retailers uh, over a period of time were notified that these are the plans. I think it was, uh, you know, at least a couple of months that things were worked out where uh, they said, you know, hey, retailers, you know, we're planning on shutting down the main part of uh the shopping center, uh, the Hudson Bay department store and the um, Crate and Barrel, uh, the food court and some of the medical dental services, whatnot in the office building. Mm -hmm. They'll be staying open during construction, but mm -hmm. uh, the rest of the shopping center, I think that there was an agreement and I'm not sure, you know, I'm not privy obviously to the arrangements. Uh, there may have been some sort of financial inducement because, you know, those stores will yeah. in theory lose some retail sales. I think already oh, this is going to yeah. be a tough time for them to uh, 
to do that. But mm. uh, Well, and just looking towards the future, once this project completes, it looks like there is going to be three conceptual streets that are going to be available for people. The Lux Run, which is probably what we're excited about, being retail insider. Uh, trend experience is another area, as well as High Street. So what, do you have any insight on what these would be looking like, whether that be from a retail perspective or otherwise? You know, Trend Run, I think, is going to have stores like, say, Aritzia uh, or, you know, whatever other sort of, you know, mid-priced fashion retailers they would have in there. Yeah. The High Street, uh, I believe, is going to be the outdoor street that they're going to have. It's going to run kind of along the west side of the project outdoors. I'm not sure mm. what the mix of retailers would be in there. I mean, they'd have, yeah. you know, certainly retailers to cater to the condo dwellers above. But who knows? Um, you know, there'll be probably a lot of food and beverage in there. Uh, there could be some mainstream retailers. I'm actually not sure. I don't know if they know yet in terms of leasing. They've got a long time to do this. But tell, like, since we're a retail insider, tell me a little bit more about the Lux Run, if you have more details. Yeah, the Lux Run, it's going to be a collection of luxury brand stores that will be standalone. And it's, um, oh, for those that know the shopping center, it's the aisle that uh, has the Tiffany and the Apple store, mm. uh, which actually wasn't so much the high-end. Well, I guess they had high-end retailers in there, but uh, it's more the indoor westerly of the two aisles. I'm not describing this very well, but uh, what they're planning on having there about 20 luxury stores. And how's that compared to like downtown Vancouver and luxury? Uh, what I thought was interesting about that is uh, downtown Vancouver is the center in terms of luxury shopping in Vancouver. There's a bunch of stores um, on and around Alberni street, basically between uh, mm. uh, Burrard street and Thurlow street. And they spill yeah. onto those streets as well. Totally. Um, yeah. But you know, they're kind of running out of space to put more luxury stores there. So Oak Ridge has an mm. opportunity to come up and uh, offer some of these big brands uh, space in the shopping center. And they're going to have premium services. They're going to have valet parking, uh, five-star concierges is what they're saying as well. So um, they may be able to get some of the luxury stores to go to Oak Ridge that would have otherwise gone into downtown Vancouver. So this could be a bit of a situation like with Yorkdale and Toronto, where they've got stores in the suburban shopping mall that they don't have downtown. So Yeah, and I remember in, I think it was West Ed, they had some similar concept that there was going to be going out. So it's nice that Vancouver is coming this way, but have you seen plans or models of it? Um, I was at an ICSC conference in, I think it was 2018 when they had oh, the big yeah. Oak Ridge uh, I remember, yeah. display there. And yeah. they had these facades of, you know, sort of the tenants they'd like to get. I recognized, I think every single one of them. I mean, there was Ferragamo, Balenciaga, you know, they had a Burke's Jewelers, which just mm. wouldn't be a surprise. But uh, yeah, and those are all the tenants that you would expect to find in downtown on, let's say, Alberni Street in the luxury zone in the downtown Vancouver. But like, like I think this is not the first attempt of a developer trying to make a secondary luxury node. Uh, if memory serves me right, uh, Shapes, the amazing Brentwood in Northern Burnby was trying to do something similar to this, but I haven't really heard anything from the luxury component of that. Really, it seems to fizzle. Like I've driven buy it and there's tenants that are non-luxury that seem to have opened that you know people are coming and going but i haven't heard any big announcements of stuff opening there but oak ridge center just seems to be better positioned because it's literally between downtown and the airport it's more accessible but uh, yeah the luxury zone in um oak ridge i'm really looking forward to the lux run i think really could give downtown vancouver a run for its money uh, i know that brentwood town or the amazing brentwood they would call it now in vancouver and um, burnaby mm. Um, was looking to get luxury brands in there. We'll see. I mean, um, I, I, I hopefully they'll be successful with leasing. Yeah. One of their investors is El Catterton, which is mm. an investment arm connected to LVMH or Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy. I'm pronouncing yeah. that probably wrong. 
but they were going to, you know, Holt Renfrew, I was told, had pulled out of that project. So, um, well, remains yeah. to be seen. But Oak Ridge, I think, is going to be a very successful project yeah. overall. Well, any recipe to success for making a luxury run at Oak Ridge Centre being more successful than other attempts that we had just mentioned? Yeah, I mean, a lot of rich people live around Oak Ridge Centre. Uh, um, the fact that there are many households that are millionaires, uh, well, anyone pretty much that owns a home in that area is a millionaire, um, and some billionaires, of course, too. You know, Amazing Brentwood has a fairly middle-class demographic surrounding it. Uh, uh, I, you know, Oak Ridge is very well positioned to be uh, to have a very high-end element to it. And luxury shopping has been part of the Oak Ridge mix for years. Well, when I take a look at your comment on Holt Renfrew pulling out of the Amazing Brentwood, do you think that's more just looking at past performance of some of their stores? Like you take a look at uh, the beautiful um, Square One shopping center in Mississauga that has a Holt Renfrew location. And I think it's rumored that it's not necessarily performing as well. Do you think that's kind of shaping future store openings, like what's going on in Vancouver? Uh, but, you know, it was just, I think it was just an executive decision. I mean, uh, if a market is served by one really great store, you may not need two of them, especially, you know, Holt Renfrew in downtown Vancouver is about 190,000 mm-hmm. square feet. Um, same thing with Calgary, a gigantic Holt Renfrew store. I don't think you would see a second one open in Calgary, even though in the, I think it was the 1980s, they actually had three Holt Renfrew stores in Calgary. But they were much smaller stores mm-hmm. back then. Uh, in around 2007, Holt Renfrew started its program to build these gigantic uh, um, flagship stores. There's now six of them around the country. I think that's all that we're going to have in Canada. Um, it's just a different strategy. It's kind of what Neiman Marcus started doing uh, years ago, but I think Holt Renfrew has actually done a better job than Neiman Marcus overall. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for indulging me to hop into other, you know, like Holt Renfrew and talking about the amazing brand wood, but um, bringing it into the Oak Ridge Center again, is there anything that you love about this concept that is really interesting that is kind of ringing true to you that is making this project unique? I think what's interesting, and I've talked about this before, but uh, the original, I think, inventor of the shopping center, they say, is Victor Gruen. He was an Austrian architect that lived in the United States, and uh, his vision was to create these centers that were mixed use with housing and parks and schools and lakes and offices. So it was basically you could live there, work there, shop there. And uh, it seems like Oak Ridge now is actually fulfilling uh, Victor Gruen's dream of what the shopping center should be because he, you know, created these shopping malls around the United States. And uh, he looked at, I think, Southdale Center in Minneapolis, which uh, he had designed. And, and um, you know, he was very, very unhappy with what he saw because eventually, you know, I think it was Dayton Hudson had, or Dayton's at the time, had developed a shopping center, um, which is now Target Corp. And, uh, you know, he said, well, my God, like you just took the retail part only. This is, you know, not what he was envisioning. He was envisioning basically a town center and they created the shopping center, which was just a commercial property for stores and stuff. So, you know, I think they have a limited life, but given what land is worth in a lot of places now, it doesn't really make sense just to have a low level shopping center with a whole bunch of parking around it. It makes sense to, you know, have transportation nodes if there's still cars in the future, uh, have them underground and utilize that land for those $2.2 million condos, <laughs> as well as the retail and everything else they're planning there. Well, anyone with the ability to use Wikipedia can find that Oak Ridge Center was built by Woodwards back in the day, which is odd to me because looking at 2020, I don't necessarily see a, a retailer like Simon's going and building out a whole shopping center. So is that kind of common back in the day? Because that was kind of an oddball kind of thing that I kind 
kind of noticed when I was doing my research on Oak Ridge Center. Yeah, and I mean, that's way before, too, in terms of Woodward's. So um, Woodward's actually developed the Oak Ridge Shopping Center. They also developed Park Royal and a few others as well. So that was uh, uh, sort of an upper mid department store, I guess, middle class, maybe more so uh, in Western Canada. B.C. and Alberta had 26 mm-hmm. stores. But uh, Woodward's was, you know, it was a, quite the big wig in Western Canada. It was very much the dominant retailer. I mean, Eaton's obviously was quite a bit as well in the Hudson Bay Company. But um, so Woodward's was the anchor in the store. So um, Oak Ridge was actually an outdoor shopping center. It was built uh, in the 1950s and they put a roof on it and uh, did a renovation around 1984. Mm. I think they started in 1982. Yeah. And so they expanded the Woodward store and actually turned it into the flagship for the chains. So those who know Vancouver, uh, Woodward's had this big 700,000 square foot store in downtown Vancouver, but downtown Vancouver just kind of started deteriorating. There were some social issues around addiction and mental health and whatnot. And the center of the city had really shifted from that older gas town area over to the George and Granville intersection where the Hudson Bay store and Eaton's uh, were, you know, were located. The Bay is still there. Now it's, you know, Nordstrom and and Holt Renfrew and Pacific center. But um, so eventually as the downtown East side began to deteriorate, uh, Woodward shifted its flagship store to Oak Ridge. And it was about 260 something thousand square feet from what I recall. Um, As a teenager, I went there and it was interesting because the Woodward store had two large entrances into the mall, uh, both on kind of the same side. So uh, when Woodward's went bankrupt in 1993 and the Hudson Bay Company took it over, what uh, they what the Hudson Bay Company did is they actually split the uh, Woodward store into two, and then they created a Bay store, which was about one hundred eighty two thousand square feet, and then they created a Zeller store, which was about eighty to eighty two thousand square feet, I think it was or so, and then eventually Target was supposed to move into that Zeller store when you know Zeller's was no longer a thing when the company was uh, sold, and uh, um, but I don't think Target actually moved into Oak Ridge from what I recall, but. Mm. Uh, um, so yeah, there, there's some history there. Another fun little bit of history. I mean, uh, Aritzia, uh, its first store opened at oh. Oak Ridge. That's so uh, women, you know, the women's wear uh, retailer, probably everyone listening to this knows what that is, unless you're in another country. We do have, we do have international listeners to the podcast, which is cool. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, but, uh, you know, Aritzia was actually kind of the trend department to the Hills department store, uh, Hills of Carisdale, which was a, um, you know, a smaller format department store run by the Hill family in the Carisdale area on the west side of Vancouver. It's, you know, again, a wealthier part of Vancouver. And uh, then they moved this, uh, you know, they created their own little concept called Aritzia and they put a store in Oak Ridge and then it's what it is today. It's a very huge retailer with stores in Canada and the United States. And, and, you know, I think it'll be around for a long time. Uh, The other thing as well with uh, Oak Ridge that I really miss, uh, we had one at West Edmonton mall and there was a couple more. Um, It was the original Abercrombie Mm. and Fitch. So people that know Abercrombie and Fitch today, it used to be a very different store years ago. So, um, you know, I think it was in the late nineties and then into the, you know, two thousands, it sort of became a teen, a store for teens. There was somewhat hyper-sexualized in the way that it did its marketing and whatnot, uh, which was popular for a time and then actually became unpopular. It was just kind of things shifted with the world, but, um, and, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch sells its clothing, which have the Abercrombie and Fitch label. Well, when I was younger and when many other people were younger, uh, it was actually a fairly upscale, like mini department store. Oak Ridge had one of those, um, kind of where the gap 
is if it's still open there in the mall. I'm not sure if it's still open, but in that part by the food court, and they had this big Abercrombie and Fitch store and you could go in and you could, you know, buy hunting gear and they had different brands. It wasn't just the Abercrombie and Fitch brand, but it was quite upscale and it had a very clubby look to it. So, you know, it had hunter green carpeting and beautiful, rich, uh, um, you know, wood paneling throughout the store and shelving. And it just looked like a very old school, elegant store, but you could find some interesting, trendy, fun clothing. So as a teenager, I used to wear stuff from that store. I even had the Abercrombie and Fitch established 1892 shirt. Mm. I remember, I think I had a few of those. Wow. So um, I miss that store. I mean, I don't consider the current Abercrombie and Fitch store to be the same store as the, as the old one, the old one, you know, I would still shop there today if it existed. But the reason it closed was because, uh, Woodward's again, we talked about, they actually owned the Canadian division of Abercrombie and Fitch. And when Woodward's went bankrupt and the Hudson Bay company took it over, uh, you know, Hudson Bay company terminated the, uh, uh, Canadian operations of Abercrombie yeah. and Fitch, which, which I think is too bad because it was a, I think it was a really fun store. I mean, you know, West Edmonton Mall, the Louis Vuitton store there is now, it took over more than that. It was about 6,000 square feet or 7,000 square feet, the old Abercrombie and Fitch at West Edmonton Mall. And, um, you know, you go in and they had like a toy car in the middle. If a parent, you know, had enough money, they could buy their kid a uh, car that they could drive around in. I don't know how safe that would be. Uh, with a motor and everything, I think it was about $6,000, which, you know, the late 80s, early 90s was quite a bit of yeah. money. <laughs> guess it still is Absolutely. for a toy <laughs> but uh you know anyways it's yeah i miss that story i wish abercrombie and fitch would, would be what it was because they probably actually get more customers yeah. at this point yeah but who knows well and thanks for all that history and i think that's pretty much a wrap for the podcast craig and thank you to our listeners for being with us today please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and we'd appreciate it if you left a review with your podcast provider to help others find us too and just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning. And it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day, as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website, retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page, and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning. So thanks everyone for listening. And Craig, thanks for chatting and chat with you next week. Yes, thank you so much everyone for tuning in today. Take care.